Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Susan Robertson about creative thinking to achieve a growth mindset. Susan Robertson, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Me too. I'm really looking forward to this. We got connected a while back and uh, we've been preparing for this episode for a little while now. And it's been fun to get to know a little bit more about your background. In just a moment, I'll share your bio with everybody. Um, Today, we're going to be focusing on creative thinking to achieve a growth mindset and some of the different elements that go into creativity and why that's uh, why that necessarily connects with ongoing growth and learning and development and some of those types of related topics. Uh, As we get started, I wanted to share Susan's bio with everybody. Susan Robertson empowers individuals, teams, and organizations to more nimbly adapt to change by transforming thinking from why we can't to how might we. She is a creative thinking expert with over 20 years of experience coaching Fortune 500 companies. As an instructor on applied creativity at Harvard, Susan brings a scientific foundation to enhancing human creativity. She combines the neuroscience of creative thinking with a big dose of fun to make the learning and behavior change really stick. I think that is wonderful. I'm so excited to have the conversation with you today. Uh, Before we dive into the dialogue, anything else uh, that you would like to share by way of background or personal context or anything like that um, to, to lay the, the groundwork for the conversation? Sure, a little bit. Uh, my background way back when, when I started my career, was in big corporations. So I was kind of on the other side of the table before I became a consultant and a coach. And I did a lot of work in big organizations in new product development, which is how I got interested in the creative thinking, because creative thinking is a critical skill for any kind of innovation. So uh, I guess over the course of the years, I became more and more interested in the creative thinking part. And that's how I eventually found my way into becoming a a creative thinking coach and expert and instructor. And uh, I found my passion. So I I love it. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's great. And it's, I'm really excited to delve into this because I think there's a lot of misconceptions around creativity. Um, And you know, I'm, I'm more of an introvert. Uh, I'm more of an analytical kind of person. Um, I have, I have uh, you know, more creative side to me. You know, I like to sing. I like music. Um, I, you know, I, I do a little bit of that. Um, but largely, you know, in the quote unquote traditional sense, I don't usually think of myself as like a super creative person. And I think that's largely due to broader society and culturally how we tend to define creativity. And I think that does a a tremendous disservice to what creativity really is 
And it, it causes people to, I think, shut down their creative side because they don't necessarily frame themselves as a creative person. And that can have, you know, unfortunate impacts on their, their personal life, their professional life, and it's so unnecessary. So how can, right. help, help us start out by reframing creativity more expansively so we can have a better sense of it and then we can move from there. I will. So it's unfortunate that in our society, you're exactly right, we have sort of labeled some people as creative and some people as not. But in the academic sense of creative thinking, which is what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about artistic creativity, I'm talking about creative problem solving. The truth is all humans are creative. We are born that way and we unlearn it essentially. If we decide later in life we're not creative, it's because we've unlearned the creativity we had as children. In fact, they've done a lot of studies on children and adults and their creative thinking. And it's, it's very clear that we have it as children and some of us don't keep it when we're adults. They did a study, in fact, and unfortunately, I won't be able to name this, the specifics of it, but they did a study where they went into a kindergarten class and they said, raise your hand if you're an artist. And every kid raised their hand. And then they went to a fifth grade class and about half of the kids did. And then they went to a high school class and one kid raised their hand in answer to that. Um, there was also another study where they actually gave a bunch of kindergartners some very specific tests of creative thinking and 95% of them scored in what would be termed highly creative. So virtually all of them, which means virtually all of us. And they followed that same group of kids for several years. And by again, the fifth grade, the results had dramatically reversed themselves. And it was nearly the opposite. It was almost 5% only scored. It wasn't exactly, but it was close. So we start out very creative and uh, as we begin to learn there are consequences for being wrong, we begin to really avoid being wrong. And if you're never willing or able to be wrong, that by definition is going to squash your creativity because creativity means experimenting, trying, failing, trying something else, trying again. And really that's what creative thinking is about. And you said, uh, can we reframe creativity? So in, in the academic sense, creative thinking is the process of coming up with ideas that are new and useful. That's the sort of academic definition of creative thinking. And people often ask, how is that different from innovation? Well, it's a part of innovation, but it's not all of innovation. So innovation would include a broader set of processes that would then include bringing that idea into the world or making it real. So the creative thinking is the fuel, it's the underlying foundation for innovation, but it's not the sum total of innovation. Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And my first initial reaction to, as you were sharing those studies with, the, with uh, school children is how incredibly sad is that yes, <laughs> that is. We, 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 we have systems set up in such a way that it really does tend to drum the creativity out of us, or at least convince us that we're not creative. Um, and I think of, I, I, I fall into that same boat. Like I just, I remember in grade school, uh, even up through middle school, really loving um, art and music and those sorts of things. And the music stuck with me. I, I've continued that into my adult life. But the artistic stuff in terms of like pottery and 
painting and drawing. I, I don't do any of that now. And that's, I, I used to really enjoy it. So that's sad, you know, that, that, that's something that I allowed to kind of um, be yeah. knocked out of me. Um, but then it, it, that can then adjust our, our framing and way of thinking about how creativity might feed into these other areas. So the academic definition of creativity, as you mentioned, just coming up with, with um, new creative solutions to problems I mean, all of us need that in our everyday lives. And we lives. all do it. And, and we, we all do, do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we, yeah, we're put, put up, pushed up against the wall. We have to come up with a solution. Right. That's what people do. That's what we do each and every day when we just yeah. come up against the messiness of life, right? Right. So there are, well, so the bad news is we sort of unlearn it. The good news is we can relearn it. And that's what, you know, people like I do, I come in and teach people creative thinking skills that help you to be a little bit more effective and a little bit more efficient and a little bit more on demand in terms of your ability to come up with new and innovative ideas. There are a lot of um, neuroscience based reasons why actually we tend to come up with incremental ideas generally as opposed to disruptively new ideas and being aware of some of those things and knowing some tools to help manage our thinking and retrain our brains can really help enhance your ability to think more creatively. Yeah, well, that's great. So, so what are some of those barriers? Um, whether it's societal, cultural barriers, uh, cognitive barriers, whatever. Like what are some yeah. of the, the most common barriers to creative problem solving and how can we start to break those down? Yep, so I'm gonna talk about a few and they are gonna be a little bit, we're gonna, we're gonna dip our toe just for a moment into neuroscience, uh, but not very deep. We'll only go about ankle deep maybe. Um, so there are several cognitive biases that limit our thinking in ways we don't realize. And just for people who might not be familiar with what cognitive biases are, let me define them very quickly. So cognitive biases are a set of shared mental shortcuts that all humans have. And people, when I say the word bias, people often think I'm talking about an individual or a personal bias. So mine would be different than yours, which would be different from someone else's. But that's not what these cognitive biases are about. Cognitive biases are mental shortcuts that all humans share. We all have all of them. And they are heuristics we use for problem solving and decision making. And it is our brain trying to be efficient and use less energy and not think very hard. So, so our brain uses these shortcuts. And in some senses, they're uh, adaptive because some of them help us, for instance, stay out of danger. But in the sense of really coming up with creative ideas and uh, being more innovative in our problem solving, they're actually limiters because they're shortcuts. And I'm gonna talk about a couple of them that are really, I think, very important to be aware of re related to creative thinking. And the first one is called the negativity bias. And the negativity bias is the phenomenon that negative experiences have a bigger impact on our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors than positive experiences do. It seems counterintuitive, but it's well proven that that's the case. And as a result, we're much more highly motivated to seek to avoid negative then we are to seek out positive. So our brains are focused on avoiding negative. They're not focused on gaining positive. 
which again seems counterintuitive, but it's very well proven that that's true. And the way this plays out in the arena of creative thinking is that our brains interpret uncertainty as potential negative. So obviously any new idea has a fair amount of uncertainty in it and our brain treats that like it's potential negative. And the way it plays out, the way you can recognize it's happening and it happens all the time is when you say or hear, yes, but in response to an idea. And what comes behind the but is always the potential problem, why it might not work or why we might not be able to do it. So yes, but that will cost too much. Yes, but we don't have enough time. Yes, but that's not how our computer system works. There are all kinds of reasons why we can come up with why something might not work. And because this is an instinctive, almost survival response in us, this avoiding negative, it's very easy to kill ideas because we can come up with many, many reasons why they might not work. Our brains are sort of laser focused and lightning fast on identifying that potential negative, And we're really good at it. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, the Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. So that's one of the that's one of the primary barriers that inhibits creative thinking and it's both on an individual level so if you and I were just having a conversation and you had an idea my instinctive response would be to say yes but and point out all the problems and that's compounded in an organization for a variety of reasons and one of those reasons is that often the people that are hearing the ideas are managers and in a manager's mind they are sort of the, the buck stops here person. So it's my responsibility as a manager to make, make sure we don't make a big mistake in terms of spending a lot of time, energy, or money on something that won't work. So I'm the person who has to recognize that and say no. So the human instinct to say yes, but, and reject ideas is compounded by the manager's sense of responsibility to make sure we don't make a mistake. And so I, I jokingly sometimes say mid-level management is where ideas go to die. And that is because of a, both of a human thing and uh, um, an instinctive thing and a mental thing that it's my responsibility. So 
it's very difficult as a manager to truly be open to new ideas because of this negativity bias. So one of the things I, I do when I'm working with my clients is train them in a very specific way to respond to ideas. So it's a conscious replacement for the, the knee jerk yes but response. And I call this GPS thinking. And GPS in this case stands for great problem solving. And it's very easy to understand tool. And I'm gonna describe it to you right now, but after you hear it, you'll, re you'll realize it's actually difficult to put in practice. Easy to understand, more difficult to put in practice. So the way you do GPS thinking is when you hear an idea or even when you have an idea yourself, the first thing you need to do is make a conscious effort to turn off the yes, but response and instead list everything about the idea that could be great. That's the G, great. What could be great? Knowing it's not finished, it's not perfect, it's got some rough edges as all new ideas do, but we're gonna make a conscious choice to list first what could potentially be good. And you wanna make a long list of a variety of kinds of things about that idea that might be great. And once you've done that, then you go to P, which stands for problem. And you now allow your brain to recognize the problems that your brain had been trying very hard to recognize already. But there's one critical difference. And that critical difference is you want to articulate that problem in the form of a how-to question. So instead of saying, it will take too long, instead you say, how can we do it more quickly? Or how can we do it in the time that we have? Or how can we shave time off how long it's gonna take? So you're literally flipping a problem statement into a problem solving challenge. I call that a neuroscience brain hack and it literally flips on problem solving in your brain and flips off rejection. So that was step two P problem articulated in the form of a how to question. And then you move on to step three S solution, which is you now solve for those challenges you just identified by modifying the idea. You change the idea, but you make sure you keep something that came from the G great column. So you're keeping the gold nugget, what's good about the idea, you're keeping that alive through the process while you then allow yourself to recognize the idea is not perfect. You put it in a problem solving statement and you begin to solve for it. And you can do this on your own. It's a perfect tool to work individually, but it's also an incredibly powerful tool to work with the team. Because if you kind of force the team to recognize what might be good about an idea, and then you work together to start to solve for those issues and change the idea, you've done a lot of things that really help the idea and help the team dynamic. So I like to think of this GPS tool as both a thinking tool, it is a very overt creative thinking tool, but it's also an incredibly powerful management tool. And that's, I started this whole conversation about managers. So this is a way that managers can retrain their brain and change their behaviors so that they do become open to ideas, that they are helping teams make those ideas fit and work within the criteria that, that we have. And they're not just pie in the sky ideas and we're optimizing, optimizing and modifying them throughout the process. I know that was kind of long, but no, any that, that's, that's wonderful. It's a, that's a great um, look at something very practical that we can all start to do right away. And as you were describing that, I was thinking of examples of where 
I was either doing that, not really knowing that's, you know, I wouldn't have defined it with all those steps, but I was kind of doing that. Or I can see where I was doing the opposite, right? And shutting things down. And I think that's really a valuable self-reflective process to go through so that we can start to learn to identify when, when we're having that, that cognitive bias take hold and then, and then put your, your steps in place to, to try to counteract it. Yeah. You know, before we actually turned on the recording, you and I were chatting a little bit about a growth mindset. And I feel like this is one of the most powerful and practical and tangible tools that I've ever seen that can help an individual and in fact, a team and an organization develop a growth mindset. Because what it does is help people remember that, yes, in fact, I am a problem solver. Yes, I can come up with new ideas. Yes, I was creative when I was a kid and look, I can do it again. I I was once uh, giving a keynote speech and it was really very much about creative thinking and that GPS uh, idea was kind of at the crux of it. And in my mind, I was giving a talk about learning creative thinking skills. And when the speech was over, someone came up to me afterward and said, that's the best speech on growth mindset I've ever heard. (laughs) And I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess it is. And it does enable a growth mindset. Well, and that was a great actual segue because that was my very next question is how does this reframing of creativity and trying to push ourselves towards creative problem solving, um, how does that directly connect with and, and lead into then this this idea of growth mindset? And there's a lot of great work on growth mindset out there. I'm, I'm, most listeners are probably familiar with Carol Dweck's work and so many others that have done a lot in the area of growth mindset. Um, when I think about this myself, I, I, you know, I'm trying to consider the, this idea of creative problem solving, meaning I have to be open to change. I have to be open to new perspectives, new ways of viewing things. Um, that seems like the foundational element to allowing myself to be creative and to, to try new things. And it seems like growth mindset and, and having this attitude of continual lifelong learning and growth is just so closely intertwined with everything you're describing. Yes, I feel like they're so closely intertwined, you, you really couldn't unlink them. What I find when I go into an organization or team and I, I train a group of people in this kind of thinking, this tool and several others, and we can talk about others if you want to, I find that literally I can see a light go on in people's eyes because they feel like they have unleashed something that many of them didn't know was inside them, but was and is and can continue to be. And many, many people come up to me later, and this this isn't a brag, but it's going to sound like a brag, but many people come up to me later and say things like, that changed my life. In fact, I I worked with a woman, she came to a a week-long seminar that I taught about this same kind of thing. And She, at the time, worked in a huge Fortune 500 company, big brand name that you would know, and uh, she was a sensory scientist by training. So she was essentially, she was a food developer, a scientist, and she took my course on creative thinking, and she said to me during that week, you know, I'm not really happy with my job. I'm thinking I might need to leave. I'm kind of bored. It's not very stimulating. You know, it was kind of she felt like maybe the usefulness of that job had come to an end for her. And I, she went through the course and I could tell she loved it and she was taking, frantically taking notes. And about six months later, she called me to say, 
I went back to my job. I decided to look around the company, see what I identify a job or make up a job that I thought the company needed and that I would like. And I created the job. I wrote a job definition. I justified why the company needed it. And I now have that job. I mean, it's, it, it, it can That's really amazing. be that freeing for yeah. you to recognize that you, in fact, have much more creative thought inside of you than you might have assumed. And it can positively affect your life. And, and for most people, if they can really adopt this, this GPS thinking, it, you know, it's a tool, but it's also just a mindset. And if most people, if they adopt this mindset, it does change their life for the better. Yeah, I love that. Well, Susan, it has been a real pleasure. The time has flown by and oh, we're about I didn't realize to the, we were out of time. <laughs> we're about to the end of our time. Um, but you know, there's so much more we could talk about. So perhaps I could have you back on at another time and we can continue the conversation. But for today, uh, before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your consulting and coaching work uh, and anything else, uh, share what you can do to help them and their organizations. And then please give us the last word on the topic for today. Okay. Uh, so you can find me at my website, which is susanrobertson.co, C-O. That's not a typo. There's no M on the end. Uh, and uh, my work is, it is really in helping organizations shift their culture to be more creative and more innovative. And not just in the sense of product development. Often think people think that innovation is just product development, but I work with companies who want to become sort of more creative as a competitive advantage across all their, all their functions. And that can take the form of individual coaching with leaders. It can take the form of team coaching or facilitating specific problem solving meetings, or in some cases it's, you know, training for an entire organization so that everybody has some, some basic skills. So that's how I help organizations. I, I, I help them become more nimble when they need to adapt to change by, by changing their thinking and helping them be more creative. That's wonderful. Well, Susan, I really, really appreciate the conversation today. Um, this has been a lot of fun. And I, I feel like I've learned some things that I can uh, take back and, and apply immediately to hopefully help me to be more creative in my own problem solving. I hope listeners will reach out, get connected, find out what Susan and, and uh, her company can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.